Good morning. How is everyone today? Let's stand together. Lord, we lift you up. We magnify you, O oh God. Have you come to bless the Lord? Hallelujah. Amen. Lord, we lift you. No matter what it costs, I'll bring my thanks and praise and offering. Even with a broken heart, I'm singing hallelujah. No matter what I've lost, I'll sing to bless your name, my God and King. Even with a broken song, I'm singing hallelujah. Standing on your promises, we're trusting in your faithfulness, and once again I'm here to say I love you, once again I'm here to bring you praise, and even if it's broken I will lift up my hallelujah all the same. Lord, your goodness and your love endures for all my days forevermore, even on the battle line, I'm singing hallelujah, standing on your promises. Trusting in your faithfulness And once again I'm here to say I love you Once again I'm here to bring you praise And even if it's broken I will lift up my sin again Once again I'm here, hallelujah Oh, and once again I'm here to say I love you Once again I'm here I will lift up my hallelujah all the same. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord, oh my soul. We sing All the 
How's everybody doing this morning? God bless you. Thank you, Brother James, so much. Thank you, church, for your love and generosity and the gift that you gave. We appreciate that. We honor you today. I was sitting here this morning at the house getting ready, and I was like, man, three and a half years. That's how long we've been here. Three and a half. I'm getting older, and that means you people that are here with me, you're getting older, too. So... Three and a half years, and, uh, but it's been an honor. It really has. I'm telling you, the best is yet to come. I'm looking forward to what God is going to do. I'm telling you, it is, it is the best days are ahead of us, not behind us. They're, they're ahead of us. And so to God be the glory for that. I want to make a few announcements this morning for some prayer requests that we need to do today. We have some urgent needs today that are going on. I was just informed of several that, that need our prayer today. Uh, we have, of course, our brother Stone here is going to be having surgery this week. Want to be in prayer for him. Also for the Sydney and Carolyn Sorrells family. That's David uh, Monroe's sister and her husband. They passed away last weekend. Both of those had COVID. I was at that service, and they actually had the service together. It was a beautiful service. First service I think I've been to in a long time. I'm trying to remember, but it's been years, uh, if then, to where both services were simultaneously together and uh, but let's pray for this family for Teresa DeVore family Miss Ada's needs niece passed away also from COVID complications let's be in prayer for this family Dorothy Mae Freeman that is artist O'Shield's sister passed away a couple weeks ago we want to continue to pray for their family and also for Art's brother Alvin 
Alvin is not doing well. He needs prayer. We also have a couple that are still sick from COVID. And that's Olin Thompson. He's strengthening every day, but still in the hospital. Then Mike McKinney, praise report that he was able to come home. He was having pneumonia, actually. And so it was a blessing that he was able to come home. So we give God glory for that. And then also I received word, Sister Hazel Mixon. That's my, my mother-in-law and father-in-law and my wife's, uh, as a kid, her pastor. And she is in the emergency room today with some kind of heart issues going on. They had to come pick her up from the church. So this is a special need that we want to pray about today as well. I also want everybody to know that next Sunday we're going to be having a baptism. All right. Some of you have asked about it. I'm not doing sign-up sheets. I'm not doing anything. We're going to go old school. If you want to be baptized, bring you a change of clothes and a towel. And we are running water in that baptismal back there. And we are going to be baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. So if you want to be baptized, um, you don't have to be a new convert. It could be a refreshing to where you may just say, I want to get baptized. It's been 15 years since I've been baptized. I'd like to experience it again. We're all for doing that. And so um, it's like a, a cleaning up, like taking a shower, a freshness, where you leave the old man behind, the new man comes up. So if you want to participate in this service, it's going to be next week. We do have a couple uh, leaks going on, but we've got a plumber coming this week, and me and Brian are confident that it is going to be ready by next Sunday, all right? If something were to happen and we weren't having it, I would send out a message. But as of right now, we're confident that it's going to work out for next Sunday. So be prepared for that today. Father, we want to thank you for your powerful son, Jesus. We want to thank you, Lord, for the blessings of this church body. Thank you, Father, for each one here today that is represented. Lord, we pray today with a heavy heart and heavy burden for those among us that have lost loved ones, Father. I am asking you that you would surround their families, that the Holy Spirit would just be with them. We've been here. We know what it is to lose loved ones. And Father, I'm asking you to do something that only you can do, and I know it to be a fact, and that is when the Holy Spirit surrounds us and gives us comfort in times of trouble. And so I'm asking you to do that for every one of these families today. I pray for Alvin today, for healing for him and his body. I pray for Olin and Mike that are still suffering with COVID complications. I'm asking you in Jesus' name to continue to strengthen them and bring healing. For our dear Pastor Hazel Mixon, I'm asking you, Father, today that you would reach her where she is in that emergency room and her heart condition, whatever it is going on, we speak healing over her right now in the powerful, mighty name of Jesus. We know you are able today to hear our needs and answer our prayers. Be with us the rest, the remainder of this service. Fill this house. Let us leave being changed by the power of the Holy Ghost. If your spirit doesn't fill this place, and Father, we've wasted our day. But Father, if your spirit would come by and touch us and let us feel your comforting spirit just nearby. Every, every, every minute of getting ready, of getting up this morning, even for those that may have been a little tired, but they've pushed themselves to be in the house of God. It'll all be worth it once your spirit, your train begins to fill this temple. Touch us, Father. Change us. Bless us. Let us leave renewed in the name of Jesus. We declare it so. Everybody shouted, amen. Amen, amen. How many are believing for a miracle today? For victory, for promises in His Word. Let's stand together and lift Him up. How many are believing for a breakthrough? Lord, we lift you and magnify you. We glorify you in this place, O oh Lord. How we sense your presence, O oh God. Hallelujah. 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 
the odds stacked against me. I'm surrounded on all sides. But I've heard you can part the waters. So in your name, come and turn the tides. Staring at this mountain There's no chance I'm getting through But I've heard they can melt before you So in your name I'm asking it to move Let that
It is finished. It is done. You told death it was over. So in your name, claim this fight as one. Thank you, Lord. So let that breakthrough miracle power pour out. I need a breakthrough miracle moment right now. It's only in you and with you, my victory is found. Bless your name, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Give him praise. He is worthy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, God, we bless you and how we need your touch. And when we think about all he's done in our lives, all the things he's done in the past for us, that just gives us faith and strength to know that breakthrough is coming. Amen. Amen. We lift you and magnify you, oh, God. Give him praise. Yes, give him praise. It's good to praise the Lord. Whatever situation, it's good to praise the Lord. How we lift you, Lord. How we magnify you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When I think about the Lord, how he saved me, how he raised me, how he filled me with the Holy Ghost, how he healed me to the uttermost. When I think about the Lord, how He picked me up, turned me around, how He placed my feet on solid ground. And when I think about the Lord, how He saved me, Lord, how He raised me, Lord, how He filled me with the Holy Ghost. How he filled me to the uttermost when I think about the Lord and how he picked me up, turned me around, how he placed my feet on solid ground. It makes me want to shout, Hallelujah! Thank you, Jesus, Lord, you're worthy. Of all the glory and all the honor and all the praise, it makes me want to shout, Hallelujah! I thank you, Jesus, Lord, you're worthy of all the glory and all the honor and all the praise. And when I think about the Lord. How he saved me, how he raised me, how he filled me with the Holy Ghost, how he healed me.
topic today. It is just kind of engraved in me for some reason. I tried to get away from it because I, I like, just in case y'all don't know, I really like evangelical sermons. I like evangelistic sermons. But today, for whatever reason, I feel the need that I need to go in this direction with a sermon entitled, I Call You Friends. Now, I was looking up a few friend quotes 
it said a friend is one who overlooks that you're broken, that you have a broken fence, and it, and they admire the flowers that are actually in your garden. True friends are never apart, maybe in distance, but never in heart. It was 1974 when David Viscott said, Friendships are more important than anything else we know. To have no friends at all is the worst state of a man. To have only one good friend is enough. Because a friend makes all the difference in the world. The old Irish proverb said it this way. A good friend is like a four-leaf clover. Hard to find, but lucky to have. To which a funny quote said, Find a weirdo just like you and never let them go. My favorite. If you have your Bibles, the book of John chapter 15, I just want to show you what Jesus said. He said, I no longer call you servants. Because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called, this is Jesus speaking, his words. I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. That's powerful, folks. What he's saying is I'm not leaving you in the dark. I'm going to tell you exactly what my father has said. Because you are my friends. Someone asked Henry Ford one time, who was his best friend? To which he replied, my best friend is the one that brings out the best in me. Benjamin Franklin said, be slow in choosing a friend, even slower in changing one. Friendship is a single soul dwelling in two bodies, is what Aristotle said. Friendship is born at that moment when one person says to another, what? You too? I thought I was the only one. C.S. Lewis said, good friends are God's apology for some of the relatives he gave us. In a survey of more than 40,000 Americans, when asked what is the quality of a friend that you are looking for that is most important, there was a resounding three different qualities that continuously were said by individuals. The first thing that they looked for in a friend was someone that had the ability to keep whatever they told them secret. In other words, they were a confidant. They had confidence in them that they would not call them and say, this is going on in my life. And Margaret would grab the phone and call Barbara and tell Barbara what Lily said. It was that confidence that made them feel like they had a really true friend. Number two was loyalty. That means they stuck with them through thick and thin, through good times, through bad times, whether they had money or whether they were broke. You know, I often think of the prodigal son and how he went out and he had a lot of money from his father and he starts spending all this money and they're partying. They're having a blast. And as long as that's going on, everybody's with him. But all of a sudden, he finds himself where? Alone and friendless. And his only friends are the sow or the hogs. And he's starting to eat the corn husk that even they are eating because he's broke and he doesn't have anyone to call friend. Nobody loyal to him. The third thing was warmth and affection. You knew that your friend truly cared about you. One person said it's when you call them and the voice on the other end, you're telling them what your problem is and they just sit there in silence because they are ready to listen and hear what's going on in your life because they're concerned about it. 
It was Dale Carnegie that said you can make more friends in too much by becoming interested in actually other people than you can in two years by trying to get other people interested in you. Showing them simply that you are there for them. But Jesus today, he has called you his friends. Speaking of the depth of the intimacy and the relationship that we would have. This is not just a surface level relationship of being servants. He says, I am bringing you to a place of intimacy that you are not just doing my bidding. You are not just doing what I ask you to do. And because I'm your Lord and your master, you're my servant. You just obey and do what I say. He said, I am bringing you into such an intimate relationship that you can now say that we are Friends, you can trust in me, but guess what? It goes two ways, honey. (laughs) And what Jesus is saying, if you're my friend, I can trust in you too. I can depend on you. Can Jesus depend on you today? I mean, have you ever had a one-sided relationship in friendship to where you felt like all the time you were give, 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 give? And they're just take, 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 take. But you never get anything out of them. They literally will suck the life source out of you, drain you all the while saying they're your friend. But Jesus says that's not the way this thing works. If you're going to be my friend, then you've got to give too. That's why he loves our worship. That's why he loves our praise. That is why he loves our gathering here together. Because what we are wanting to show Jesus today is we're not just his servants. We are at a relationship called friends. And he can trust in us. We're going to be loyal to him we're gonna serve him sure we make mistakes don't you all make mistakes but at the end of the day he still loves us because of this friendship now I was looking in my Bible and I was trying to find some verses about friendship and these are some that I found that I I just want to to give you today when the Bible speaks of friendship he tells us first off if you're gonna be a friend of me you cannot be a friend of this world system now, th- now, this type preaching used to, we didn't have to deal with it too much. But nowadays we do. In James chapter 4 and verse 4, let me just show you what he says. He said, you adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Are you ready? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be, and it's a choice, anyone who chooses to be a friend of this world automatically becomes an enemy of God. So here I am. If I'm wanting to say that he's my friend, I'm his friend, but I'm a friend with the world system. What does this scripture show you? It shows you that I am not his friend because I have become his enemy. Because God says you can't be a friend of the world system and continue to enjoy this intimate level of friendship that we have. Now, what does it mean? See, understand with me today. Somebody going to go and be calling you your sinner friends, talking about we can't talk no more. That's not what I'm talking about. Let me clarify. You can have sinners that are friends. Matter of fact, some, some people have even suggested to me that their sinner friends were nicer to them than their Christian friends. That's a problem that the church needs to deal with, honey. Oh, God, help me today. I didn't mean to go down this road, but I'm already on it, so let's finish it. 
oh God. When, when, when a Christian, see, understand, we talked about this a little um, last week or two, and how that we can be friends with the world. Jesus ate with sinners, and the Pharisees and the church people didn't like it, and they said, who does he think he is? He's a Beelzebub. He's eating with sinners. The issue is not having sinner friends. Please understand me. What it means is when a Christian has grown in their ideology and they've changed their theology because the world system has convinced them this is the right way. What is it called in the church? Well, what we call it in the church today is tolerance, right? We tolerate sin. And the more tolerant that we become of sin, the more likely we are to get an ideology like the world system. And so what Jesus says to us, he says the problem is when you're a Christian and all of a sudden the world system has convinced you that there is a cause to abort a child. We've got Christians today that will openly tell you that abortion's okay. We've got people right now that will tell you that open sin, there are Gay churches, there are transgender churches. They literally have brought them in with open arms. We are in a mess right now at Lee University. For those that haven't watched the news, the Church of God School, I've got a ring on. I graduated from there and I'm, I'm proud of it. I love Lee. And I thank God for our leadership, especially our Bishop Tim Hill that has taken a clear stance. Because we let a guy come in and preach and he ended up saying something and made it look like that we were tolerant of sin and that we had to accept the gay community and transgenders and all these other people and whatever else they call themselves. We've got to accept them. And he never dealt with the fact that once they get saved, there is going to be a lifestyle change that comes by the powerful blood and name of Jesus Christ. And so because we did not deal with it the right way, now we're having to deal with it. And our leadership is having to step forward and say, wait a minute, because what they understand is exactly what James was talking about. What the world system is trying to do is infiltrate the church system. And if the world can infiltrate the church, the church is no longer a friend of God. We become an enemy of God. And that can't happen. God help Pastor Jimmy. So, so, so we have to be careful when we say that we've grown. You know, we've grown in our ideology and the way that we think. And we've changed our mind. We can't do it on this. The Bible tells us Abraham was a friend of God. You can read it in James chapter 2 and verse 23. He was literally called God's friend. And we read that and we think, man, that's awesome. But I need you to understand that God has called you friend too. Abraham's not so special because I'm his friend. You're his friend. So, so, so watch this. Moses spoke to God as his friend. A matter of fact, you can read it in Exodus chapter 33 and verse 11. That he goes and literally face to face. The Bible said they spoke like friends. They come, they commune together, they go their separate way. It is called the good old fashioned face to face. If, if technology has done anything for us, it's gotten us away from face-to-face -face interaction. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Now we're more worried about whether we got 5,000 max limit friends on Facebook and we got to go to a business page or a, a, a celebrity page. I got news for you. I'm getting close to 5,000 myself. Huh? 
Now either I can delete the 3,975 people that never talked to me and drop it down to about a grand or I'm going to have to open a new page. What I'm telling you, we have hurt ourselves. Listen, I, 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 they, had, they had some deals going on, iPhones on Verizon store, and I thought to myself, man, these things are too good to be true. They're literally giving these things away with credits. Credits, all right. I call, I can't get through, I send text messages. It takes the guy 10 minutes to respond to one text. I finally text him, are y'all not dealing with individual customers? Are you trying to answer 10 at a time? I know it sounds aggressive. I was aggressive. I decided, Brian, you know what? I'm just going to go down to the Verizon store. And I'm going to talk. I walked right in that store. There was no line. This young, nice lady walked up to me. How can I help you today, sir? I said, man, I'm glad to get back to the old-fashioned way face-to-face. There's something about it. And God says, that's the way I want you to be. See, we, in this age, we have gotten to a place that all we're trying to connect to God is through a TV screen. And we try to connect to God through our YouTube and watching churches on YouTube. And I've got people, and I ain't talking about just COVID. Please, I'm sick of, of hearing about it. Let's not talk about even COVID. I'm talking about before it even existed. And there were people sitting at home and they're lazy boy talking about, I don't need the church. I don't have to go to church. I'm just going to sit here and I'm going to watch Joel Osteen or Billy Graham or Rod Parsley or whoever they want to watch. I'm fine right here at my house. They thought at that moment that they could have Jesus just sitting on their couch. You know what we've tried to do? We've tried to bring Jesus to an on-screen relationship. But I'm telling you, there is nothing like getting in person and falling on an altar and a holy God filling a house and He come down and you see Him face to face. My God, I wish somebody would help this preacher preach today. There is something to be said about this face-to-face relationship with God. We cannot get it through phone calls and through text messages. It's something about meeting person-to-person, face-to-face. Can't replace it. You can't do it in friendship. You can't do it in friendship. They have tried to isolate you. They have taken people, put them in hospitals, and told them their friends can't come see them. Their family, their own husbands and wives can't even go in to see them. Isolating them alone. You know, I'm afraid that's what part of our problem is too. Because in times like this, we need that support system that loves us, comes around. I feel so bad for people that have had to go into the hospital and I talk to their spouses and their spouse is upset because they cannot get to them. It just absolutely breaks me to pieces. Because I know in those moments, I need a friend. I need somebody that can rub my shoulder, hold my hand. I need somebody that can talk to me, pray with me. We cannot remain in an isolated island by ourselves and expect to thrive. God has always given us friendship. God has always said you need one another. Regardless of whether I think I need you or not, God says differently. He says I need you. Whether or not you think you need the church or not, God says different. He said forsake not the assembly. You need need one another when Adam is, is, is created he says let me make for him woman why because I don't want man to be alone he's got it. and then they had children and grandchildren and here we are today folks thank you Adam and Eve God help me I gotta hurry friends are loving and loyal let's hit these fast Chevy I just need to Get moving. A friend loves at all times. A brother is born for a time of adversity. That means they don't come to you when you're sad. They come to you when you're hurting. 
or when you're happy. They come to you when you're sad, when you're hurting. They come in a time of trial and tribulation. Verse 24, one who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin. I love this verse. But there, and this is speaking of Jesus, I call you friend. But there is a friend that seems closer than a brother. That means your other friends may leave you. They may forsake you. He said, but I'm going to be right there with you even unto the end of the world. He said it in the Old Testament. He said it in the New Testament. Let's go to chapter 27. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Now, somebody said, if you're my friend, you won't hurt me. Wrong. This says wounds from a trusted, not just anybody, but someone that you love and you trust, they can come. Let me tell you what a friend can do. A friend can tell us. They Listen, a, a true friend does not tell me what I need to, what I need, what I want to hear. A true friend tells me what I need to hear. And all the time, it's like preaching. It's like ministering. Whenever you say certain things, sure, everything's not hunky-dory and a, and a bed of roses and all that. There's some things that have thorns in them and they cut us. Does it mean that pastors all that preach the truth are trying to hurt us? They're trying to injure us? They hate us. They can't stand our guts. Of course not. It should be a trusted source that can speak into your life and say things that may make you uncomfortable, may say things that challenge you, may even wound you. But he says, guess what the enemy does? The enemy multiplies. He'll pat you on the head. He'll pat you on the back. He'll tell you whatever you want. He'll condone sin. He'll condone your lifestyle. He'll do all of these things. Never confront you. Never make you feel uncomfortable. And that's exactly what the enemy does. There's some friends like that that come and they'll give you a pile of kisses. And they'll love up on you only to stab you in the back. I'm going to take the friend that's going to just speak the truth to me whether it hurts or not. And they do it to my face. They do it to my face. Look, do not forsake your friend and the friend of your father. Don't abandon them. Don't forsake them. Don't leave them now. I'm going to give you four quick points today about friendship. And then I'm going to let you go. And they're short points. Number one, transparency. Friendships are based on being real. With what not fake. I'm talking a true friend. That will love you regardless of your blemishes. That will love you regardless of your scars. Will love you regardless of your attitude. Because friends that really know us. They know sometimes we got a rotten attitude. But because they're our friend. You know what they do? They kind of just overlook it. Oh that's just them. They might... Put a little word in there and say, man, you sure are ill today. You need to straighten yourself out, you know. We just bear with one another. Because in friendship, there is this sense of transparency. You can trust one another with each other. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, then we will have fellowship one with another. There's no games. There's no secrets in friendship. There is no such thing as manipulation in friendship to get what you want. But there is a thing that I call unconditional love as well as an expression and an acceptance of the real you. The real person that you are. A friend is one that you can be your true self 
with. See, when Jesus shared this, he shares everything he said with his disciples. As opposed to a servant relationship that are just giving tasks or you would hide things from them. He says, I want you to understand you have become my friends. As a matter of fact, not only are you my friends, but you are joint heirs with me me. What does that mean? He said when my father's kingdom comes to earth, he said everything and this is just saying it in in ways that everybody can understand it today. What Jesus was saying to them, because you are my friend, what's mine is yours. Because I'm your friend, I'm not going to give you half of me. I'm going to give you all of me. Thus, he went to a hill called Golgotha and he died for my sins. Yeah. Can you say anybody's been a friend like that to you Jesus is truly a friend that's there now there's three selves that we are told that we have are you ready number one we have what we call our ideal self this is the person that I want to be I'm not him yet I'm working on it every day I'm trying to be better I'm trying to do better that's my ideal self does anybody know who you want to be now, if there's somebody here today that says, man, I'm exactly who I want to be. You know, I'm, I'm going to be asking if you've got a little pride in you. You know what I'm saying? I mean, really? Mm. God saw you with that girl that took your order last week in the drive-thru. Come on, somebody. The ideal self of who I really, really want to be. Secondly, there is this what we call projected self. Now, do you know what that is, Miss Nancy Thomas? That means that what I'm going to do today is I am going to show you the Jimmy that I want you to see. That is why whenever we're unhappy, we grin it as big as we can. Nothing strange going on here, folks. I love Jesus. I love you. You get in the car, I'm like, my God, I'm glad that service is over. Did you see the way she was looking at me? I mean, it's... This is the project. We do it all the time. In one way, we kind of could call it wearing a mask. And I get so everybody thinks I'm talking about COVID just because I said that. I'll be so glad when this mess from hell's over. And so we put on our mask. It's not just a face mask. I'm talking about a full covering. And we show people the person that we want them to see. Because we feel like that we're vulnerable. If we show certain people our real self, then there's a problem there because now they feel different about us. They thought we were happier than that. They thought that we could do better than that. But here is the face that I'm going to project to you. But when you have a friend, there is another self called the real self. That is who you really are. The projected self is your Facebook self. It is your Instagram self. It is what you want people to see. But the real self says, this is who I am. Take it or leave it. I'm not going to change for you. I am who I am. And I'm proud of that. Sure, I'm trying to be better. But this is who I am. And what does a true friend do? Duh. They they accept us. The real self. They encourage us to become our ideal, our best self. But they love us through it all. Does that not sound like Jesus? I mean, there's times I try to do a projected self to him. But Jesus said, Jimmy, take that mask off. I know who you are. 
You can't come up here faking with me. You can't come up here acting like you got the victory. You might as well lay on your face and cry like you feel like doing. Because I know what's in your heart. I know who you really are. And in those moments, even spiritually, we feel vulnerable. As if God didn't know to begin with. But God being this friend that He is. And us being friends with Him, we have to be vulnerable. And we have to say, you know what, even though He knows who I am. Even though He knows all I've done. Even though He knows I've made mistakes. He's not going to judge me for it. He's not going to throw me out to the dogs. He's not going to throw me in the fire to burn. He's going to hold me in His loving arms. And He's going to say, Jimmy, I love you just the way you are. I died for this, Jimmy. I died for your real self. I went and shed my blood so that you could have life more abundantly. If anybody loves you, I'm telling you, Jesus loves you. Transparency. Number two. Trust. 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 Jesus knew people often couldn't be trusted. Look at John 2, 24. Let me show you this really, really quick. He says, but Jesus would not entrust himself to them, for he knew all people. So he wouldn't open himself up to them. He did not need any testimony about mankind, for he knew what was in each person's heart. He already knew it. Now see what this scripture talks about is the same people. The same Jews that are saying they love Jesus and they're friends with Jesus. They're going to be the same crowd that's going to be hollering, crucify him, crucify him. When Jesus told his disciples, I call you friends. He meant that he was saying that he could trust them. They could trust him. He could trust them. For he told them in John 14 after saying this. He said, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. So I go to prepare a place for you. If I go, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there friends, you may be also. What he's saying to them is I will never leave you. Or forsake you. Now I know some of you today. You got trust issues. And people have done you wrong. And people have backstabbed you. And because of that. You have tried to cover yourself. Shield yourself. But I want to tell you something. If you can't trust anybody in this house today. You can trust Jesus. He will not leave you. He's with you. Number three. A word called transcendence. This word means going beyond. Another definition that I like is a rising above. We must rise above difficulties and conflicts in life, right? Everybody know what I'm talking about. It's going to hit you. Trouble's going to hit your house. Bad news is going to come. You're going to have to learn to rise above it. The good news is that a friend, a true friend, will always be there. And the thing about a friend is a friend don't make a big deal out of everything. You know, I mean, I'm talking about ultra dramatic. You know what I'm saying? I mean, they don't go off on you just because you make a mistake. The Bible tells us that it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. Do you know that Satan tears up friendships with a simple word? A simple word. If he can grab a hold to it, he'll tear that relationship apart. He'll do it in marriages. He'll do it in just, just straight up friendships. He'll do it in families. He will literally rip you apart. He can do it with the It's the little foxes. It's not the big ordeals. It's just those little things that here and there that he's... In the, I think God called it the fiery darts. They, they don't kill you. They just irritate the mess out of you. And Satan just... You know, oh, it's kind of like a mosquito. I slap myself in the face on the leg everywhere. 
I think I hurt myself more than if I just let the mosquito bite me. Just nagging me. It's when I'm out there working, I'm sweating, and there's gnats, and you hear, and you're slapping, and you're wiping, and you're, it's irritating. And that's the way the devil's darts are. Simple words. Did you hear what she said to you? She normally don't look at you like that. That's a dart. That's a dart. And just the smallest little things that he's picking away at you, trying to destroy your friendships. So you understand what I'm telling you. I heard a preacher the other day was talking about how that, that this day and age that we're living in now, you hear politicians and you talk about how that you always hear the term, well, they take something and they make it political, right? About stuff. But he was talking the other day about how that this season we're living in has been a way that the devil has crept right into our churches. And he has thrown those darts and he has divided the body of Christ. We cannot allow that to happen, ladies and gentlemen. We can't allow it to happen. Let it happen in the world. Let the world tear each other apart. That's what worldly people do, but not God's people. When we come in this house, listen, all of our political difference should be laid at the door. All of our opinions should be laid at the door. All we ought to come into this house wanting to do is to worship and lift up our best friend, Jesus Christ. May He be magnified. May unity fill this house. May all the fiery darts of Satan be extinguished in the name of Jesus. And let the church break through and have a revival. Let people love one another again. Let us lift up one another again. We're going to rise above this stuff. That is what friends do. And in friendship, forgiveness prevails. We forgive one another. Even when we do wrong, when Jesus restored Peter, he never mentioned the failure. He never said, look, boy, I told you, you were going to deny me. What's wrong with you? He just said, you just go and repent, and I'm going to meet you there. Thank God, hallelujah. Grace was extended. Let me show you Colossians 3.12. i got five more minutes. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, are you ready? Clothe yourself with compassion. For one another. Have kindness. Love one another. He says have humility. Sometimes there's some fights that are not worth fighting just to keep our ego inflated. That's tweetable right there. They probably will delete the tweet, but it's good. Humility. Gentleness. And patience. That's a tough one right there. Verse 13. This is where it gets. Bear with each other. That means, man, sometimes I'm hard to deal with. But please just bear with me. And not only that, but forgive one another. If any of you have a grievance with someone, forgive as the Lord, your friend, forgave you. Oh my God, why do church people have the worst reputation for holding grudges against one another? We know forgiveness better than anybody should know forgiveness. We know where we came from. Jesus died and brought us out of that mess. Lifted us above the life of sin. If anybody knows about the forgiveness and the love and the grace of Jesus, we ought to know it. And Paul said it is time for the church to forgive one another and bear with one another. Because that's what friends do. Jesus did it for you. Now you do it. For your friends. 
Joseph, a classic example, as he forgave his brothers. Look at Genesis 50. I'm going to read it really quick. This is really good stuff here. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, saving the lives of many. So then, don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. Do you see what it said? What you meant for evil, God meant for good. He forgave them. Jackie Robinson, who played baseball during the time that African Americans, they had been allowed to play Major League Baseball, but there was still a lot of racial divide in our nation, even greater, I believe, than what we see today. Breaking baseball's racial barrier. He would face jeering crowds every time he would walk in. They would call him names. They would talk about him. Some would even boo. While playing one day in his home stadium in Brooklyn, New York, he committed an error on the field. The fans began to ridicule him. He stood at second base, literally head down, humiliated while the fans continued to jeer. Then this white guy named Pee Wee Reese came over and stood next to the black Jackie Robinson. He put his arm around Jackie Robinson and faced the crowd and looked around. The fans grew silent and quiet. Robinson later said, that the arm, oh God, of Pee Wee Reese around his shoulder is the only thing that saved his career. Can I tell somebody something today? Friends bring you up. They will never knock you down. I'm going to say that again. If you have a friend in your life and they kick you every time they talk to you and you feel bad every time you're around them and they never give anything to bring you up, it's time for you to say goodbye. I said what everybody else just is thinking. It's time to walk away. It is toxic. It's a toxic friendship. It's a toxic relationship. Because what a friend does is transcendence. We lift each other up when we are down. Thank God. See, let me tell you something. No wonder Jesus said in the Bible. He said, when I am lifted up. Anybody ever read this scripture? I'm going to draw all men to where I am. So in other words, because I'm a friend of God, I'm going to lift up my friend Jesus. And he says, as you do that, the glory of God is going to fill that place. My God, have mercy. Listen, I want to tell somebody, you may get knocked down. The Bible said a righteous man will fall seven times. Everybody gets knocked down. But I'm so glad that even if nobody else is there, your friend Jesus said when a righteous man falls in seven times, I'm going to reach my mighty arm down. And he's going to stand up again because there's a friend there to help pull them up when they're down and I'll leave you with this and I'm closing total commitment when Jesus called his disciples friend he spoke to them about the deep commitment that they had not only for each other but the deep commitment that they had shown to him these men have left everything they've left their nets their livelihood just so they can be with this friend named Jesus Total commitment. God, I feel so bad sometimes because I feel like sometimes I'm not fully committed. Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever felt like you've let Jesus down? Have you ever felt like there's days that went by and you thought, my God, I didn't even get my Bible today or I didn't pray enough or I didn't, I didn't spend enough time with my friend Jesus. We needed that time and I have failed. I just... There's moments like that. There's moments like that. 
And you think to yourself, here I am half committed. I mean, if I need something tomorrow, he's the first person I'm going to call on. If I, if, I feel, if I get sick tomorrow, he's the first number I'm dialing. But today things are going good, so I'm just kind of, kind of, you know, chill and have a day off. Everybody needs a day off, you know, even from Jesus. Total, these guys were totally 110% devoted because the Bible said they would eventually give their lives for him. John 15, 13, taking you back. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friend. Every one of these disciples except for John the Revelator, he would be exiled to an island. The others would be executed. But he said, greater love has, this is why I call you friend. Because I know that those that are sitting around me today, you're willing to die for me. You're willing to die for me. My God have mercy. You are my friends. If you do what I command, that's preach the gospel. Love me regardless of what you may face in this world system. You do it anyhow. Go ahead and put up my picture, if you would, Chevy. It bothers me because we use the word friend so frivolously. We just, just throw it out there so loosely. Oh, I'm your friend. Are you really? Are you going to be there when I need you the most? Can I trust you? Can I tell you the deepest secrets of who I am and trust that you're still going to feel the same way about me? What kind of friend, this is what's going over my head today. Are you that kind of friend? What kind of friend are you? I was reading this story, and this is a touching story, and I'll leave you with this. Go ahead and come to the piano, Sandra. I'm closing. This is the painting of which my story is about. Have you ever seen this painting? You know what this painting is? Some of you may have it in your house. It's called Praying Hands. Right? Everybody's seen it. Late in the 15th century, there are two young men. They're friends, good friends. Can't be separated. Albert Durer and Franz Ningsten. They work as apprentices, work carvers in France. However, both of them wanted to study painting. But they knew that to study would take a pretty good bit of money. And both Franz and Albert were poor. Poor homes. Poor backgrounds. And so they decided... That one of them could work and earn money while the other one went to school to learn how to be an artist. And then they made this pact and said that when you get educated and get back and you make good money and get rich, said, all you've got to do is whoever wins this coin toss, you're going to school. The other works. And when you get back, whoever worked, you're going to take care of me. And you're going to send me and I'm going to learn how to be an artist and have my dream fulfilled. While Albert went to Venice, Franz worked as a blacksmith. It was a job that he knew how to do. He earned money. He would forward that money every month on to his friend to pay for his schooling. The months stretch in the years and at last Albert returns home. Albert Durer is a master painter known by the world. Amazing. Now it was his turn to help Franz out. So which he was ready to do. When they met together, Albert noticed though the hands of France. Because the many years of heavy labor in that blacksmith shop had calloused and bruised them. They were stiff, they were twisted nearly. And he looked at his fingers and he said, There's no way to himself that France can hold the delicate artist's brush and be able to paint his hands. Too bad. 
in humble gratitude to France for his years of sacrifice, the artist, the great Albert Durer, painted a portrait of the work-worn hands that had labored so faithfully in order that he might develop his talent. And he took the picture that you see right here on my screen, the painting that he called Praying Hands, and he gave them to his devoted friend. And since then, the famous painting of Praying Hands has been seen by millions. And it's the artwork of a true friend. What a challenge to us in this house today. If we are to be like Jesus, then friendship should really mean something around this church. If we are to be like Jesus, then we ought to be able to depend on one another. If we're going to be like Jesus, we should not all the time have to worry about whether or not somebody's mad at us or doesn't like something we say or they're not going to forgive us because we did something and made a mistake and did it wrong. If we're going to be like Jesus, this friend, then we too will be friends to one another. Let's stand in the house of God. I'm leaving. I'm closing. I call you friends. Number one, you got transparency. Number two, you got trust. Number three, you got transcendence. You helped me rise above. And lastly, I got your total commitment, just like Albert Sturer, that would take care of his friend for the rest of his life because he knew what he had done for him. I'm telling somebody today, I, I just need to ask you, what kind of friend are you? In a time of isolation, and in a time of division. And in a time when Satan is trying to tear us apart from one another rather than bring us united together. I am calling on everyone in this church to reevaluate your heart. Reevaluate yourself. And say, my God, help me to be a person that would be a friend that would stick by people's side. Let people trust me. Because I'm telling you, in the middle of what we're going through, there's going to be a time somebody's going to need a friend. Are you going to be that friend? Your model is Jesus Christ. He is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He loves me not for my projected self, not just for who I am today. He loves me. He knows who I really am. He he knows everything about me and it's not pretty but he still calls me his sing oh who am I that you are mindful of me sing this song with him before we leave that you hear me when I call is it true that you are thinking of me, how you love me, it's amazing, I am a friend of God, I am a friend of God, I am a friend of God, he calls me
Who am I that you are mindful of me? Regardless of all my thoughts, that you hear me every time when I call. Lord, is it true that you are thinking of me? Oh, how you love me. How you love me. Hallelujah, it's amazing. It's amazing. I am a friend of God. Oh, I am a friend of God. Yeah. I am a friend of God. He calls me. One more time. to your people today I know that your word never returns void. help us to reevaluate our lives help us to be the friend that someone today needs let us reevaluate the way that we treat other people even in the past and let us make right our wrongs and help us to be that person that regardless of who somebody is we'll love them through it all because that's what friends do Father, bless your people. Sing, Brian. Sing while we quit here. God bless you guys. Amen. God all.